Welcome to Washoe Life, the podcast where we explore stories and people who enhance our life here in Northern Nevada. I'm Nancy Lewin-Hagen. And I'm your co-host, Bethany Drysdale. Both of us love learning about what other people do, especially in here in Washoe County government. Um, and we like to dig into other professions and realizing that each profession has a very, very unique skill set. Kind of like ours, but I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what our, I'll, I'll speak for myself. Um, okay, I, podcasts. Uh, yeah, I think anybody can talk, but right. uh, but I think we have fun doing it. Yeah, this this one's a little different. Now, you, you know, when you're at a party and you meet someone and it's mind boggling what they do every day, and, and then you start to talk to them and how they're making a difference in our lives without you really even knowing that that they're maybe in your neighborhood or you're working alongside of them, that is today's guest. She's definitely a trailblazer in her field. We are joined by Washoe County's Chief Medical Examiner and Coroner, Dr. Laura Knight. Dr. Knight, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are so glad to have you on the podcast today. I, uh, we've, how, how long have you been here with Washoe County? Well, I've been here since 2015, so I'm going on eight years now. Wow. Uh, Obviously, we've had the pleasure to get to know you, and we're really excited that our our listeners get to do that today. Uh, And let's just start about that. Tell us about yourself, Dr. Knight, and the path that led you to become Washoe County's Chief Medical Examiner and Coroner. Well, I was born and raised in Kentucky in a small town at the western edge of the state called Paducah. Um, I uh, graduated as valedictorian of my small town high school and went on to go to in-state school um, for college and got a degree in chemistry and then went on to medical school at the University of Louisville and um, found a love for pathology um, during my medical school years and went on to train uh, in that and to do my residency and my fellowship and then to start work as a medical examiner. Wow. And so... Medical examiner, tell, tell our listeners exactly what that is, what you do. So a medical examiner is a medical doctor who specializes in forensic pathology. And forensic pathology uh, is basically the study of disease and trauma and what we do um, to find out more about what diseases someone had or what trauma they may have had that led to their death is we do the autopsy. Um, so forensic pathologists specialize in doing autopsies and determining what people died of. So you're part medical doctor, part investigator. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're medical doctors who are right there kind of at the intersection of medicine and the law and definitely have kind of an investigative or detective-like bent. So I have to ask, because we've had these conversations before, let's myth bust. Um, it's not CSI. It doesn't wrap up like we see it on television, does it? No, I wish we had all the results, DNA, toxicology, all the sciences. I wish we had all of that back in five minutes or 45 minutes by the end of an episode, but it doesn't really work that way. It's a little different in real life. And a lot of our work is very routine. A lot of day-to-day routine kind of cases are, you know, people who die suddenly at home um, or people who um, have a car accident or something like that. And we end up dealing with those cases. Not, not every day is, um, you know, murder mysteries. And what is your jurisdiction, um, where people die or how they die? How does that work? Yeah, so the cases that fall under our jurisdiction are sudden, unexpected, non-natural deaths, typically. We do handle a lot of natural deaths as well because some people don't have a doctor and they might die at home, and particularly if they're younger, if they're under 60, we want to know why that is and make sure that there wasn't something else going on there like 
drugs. And as far as um, jurisdiction in geographic area, I am the chief medical examiner and coroner for Washoe County. And then our office also serves an additional 19 counties in Nevada and California that are coroner counties, and we provide autopsy services to them. So this is where we talk about Washoe County is a regional provider. And when people say, well, what does the county do? Well, this is a perfect example that we don't, you and your staff do not deal with people just in Washoe County. Absolutely. Yeah. Our office, the Washoe County Regional Medical Examiner's Office, has that word regional in the title. We rebranded that way um, when we moved into our new office, our new beautiful office uh, here on uh, East 9th Street, um, because we really are a regional service. We are a regional center for excellence in death investigation. And not only do we provide autopsies to all those other counties, we also provide training opportunities, ride-alongs for their deputy coroners, opportunities for them to come and observe autopsies and understand how we do what we do so that they can be better at their job investigating right out there at the scene out in those rural counties. I've had the the good fortune to be able to tour your office, and it, it's fascinating that it really is. It's a hospital. Just you're working on people who have already passed. That's right. It's a it's a medical center, essentially. And we have office space as well as a scientific space. And our scientific space is uh, pretty darn nice, if I say so myself. We have surgical lights. You know, we're doing essentially surgery when we're doing an autopsy, but it's postmortem. It's after someone has died. So it's a little different. And our procedures are a little different than a surgeon's because we're looking for different things. Um, but that's, that's how the autopsy works. I want to go back to the young... Laura Knight in Paducah, Kentucky. Did you always know this is what you wanted to do? I knew from a younger age than a lot of other forensic pathologists I've met from about when I was 16. I like to say that I read too many books at an impressionable age, um, but that really is it. I um, was a voracious reader and really loved books, and I read several books about Um, death investigation and coroners and thought that that sounded really fascinating and it combined my love of everything science and medicine and the the, I had the thought that I wanted to be a medical doctor um, but that I also loved puzzles and the idea of being more of a detective and so putting those two things together really made it the perfect the perfect area for me and I have to mention um, Tom Noguchi Dr. Tom Noguchi who was the coroner in LA I read his book when I was 16 Um, He's been a mentor to me, and I've met him many times at national meetings now, but it was really exciting to, um, you know, my hero, who was the coroner to the stars, who was the first book that I read that got me interested. You know, I got to meet him uh, in my career, and and, uh, even though I haven't worked with him, I I got to see him at national meetings, and and he's really, he's been a a kind mentor to me. Did you tell him that about that you'd read the book? Absolutely, I I did. I love it. You fangirled. I did. (laughs) love it. I did. So, um... I, I'm going to go here if this is okay. Well, it's our podcast, it's so our, you, you can do it. it. Um, is it depressing? Does it get to you? Is there high burnout in your profession? Yeah, burnout and wellness are definitely issues um, in my in my field. And they're things that we've only really started talking about um, at the national level um, in my professional organization. Um, and I, I'm proud to say that my office is at the forefront of that. We have a wellness program. Um, we we have different activities and we have um, therapists available. And yeah, it, it can be a challenge. It can, it can really, um, you know, you can take it home with you if you continue to think about cases that bother you. And so we try to mitigate that as best we can. Um, I also, though, would say, you know, I did my first forensic autopsy more than 20 years ago, and there's not a lot that phases me anymore. 
Um, you know, certainly there are scenarios that are more upsetting than others, but for the most part, I'm able to just go do my job and then go home and, and kind of let go of it. And, and that's, I mean, you are the medical, you're a physician. So I, I would think that, that, that helps in, in your approach, your yes. scientific approach. Yes, yes. I, I am able to separate, you know, and when I'm doing uh, scientific work and become totally engaged in that, um, I'm not really looking so much at the whole person. It's really more in the scene investigation. And when we're considering the case as a whole um, and thinking about what happened to that person, that's when we're thinking about that whole person. When I'm doing the scientific work, when I'm looking at a gunshot wound under the microscope, you know, that's a little different. So we're going from people who have passed. Let's talk about how those people help those who are still living and continue living. This is um, Donate Life Month. Uh, we're having a lot of conversations around that. And you, from what we understand, have really revolutionized how your office contributes to um, tissue donation, cornea donation, and, and others. So talk about that a little bit. Yes, this is one of the few uh, areas that I get to talk about something positive. And I think that that's why I'm really so passionate about um, the medical examiner coroner collaboration with organ and tissue donation. Um, when I first came here in 2015, I recognized there was kind of a gap in our community that people who died and fell under the medical examiner's jurisdiction were not really having the opportunity to donate. And so there was a lot of lost potential for corneas and um, bone grafts and skin grafts and things like that that could have been harvested from those people who had died under those circumstances. And so I started a program at the medical examiner's office. It took me about two years of talking to um, Nevada Donor Network and kind of working out all the details of how that would work. But we put an agreement in place. And now we have an in-house tissue donation program that includes corneas, lung bones, skin, and other grafts, including heart valves, which can even be life-saving. And you... By the way, okay, so you started 2015, you said it took you about two years. Clearly, you're doing well because you just got recognized by Governor Lombardo for your work with tissue donation. Oh, yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm so humbled um, by that award um, that I just received, the Governor's Award, um, in, in collaboration with Nevada uh, Donor Network. Um, it's just, it's been an amazing journey to bring the office into this um, kind of program where we're referring all of these individuals who didn't have the opportunity before. I'm just so, so pleased that we've been able to do that. We've literally referred one, um, hundreds and thousands of people for donation, and then their families have made the courageous choice to donate. Um, it's just, it's amazing to me, and it's, it's the most positive thing I think that comes out of our work and so I'm, I'm ecstatic to be able to um, you know bring something good out of a, what is often a really a tragedy. So I want to go back for a second to what you said about serving 19 counties. For those who don't know Nevada has 17 counties so you are basically covering all of Nevada except I imagine like Clark County and then some <clears throat> of California yeah, we're covering uh, almost all of Nevada. We um, don't cover Clark County, Lincoln, or White Pine, um, and those go to Clark County, those cases. And then we have six additional counties uh, along the California border that, that we also provide services to. So you are impacting people's lives really all over Nevada, all over Northern California. Uh, that uh, It blows me away. I don't even know what to say to that. It blows me away that people... You're sitting right here, and there are people who are continuing to live, and their families are 
um, thriving because they have benefited from this program that you instituted. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Um, we cover a, a catchment area of 90,000 square miles, which um, being, I'm not from the West originally, so those kind of numbers kind of blow my mind, um, having lived in the East Coast a lot and being from, you know, Kentucky. Our counties are not as big out there as they are here. And so we, we covered that huge geographic area, and it's about a million population um, that is served by the services my office um, provides. So um, I'm thrilled to be able to provide it. We have a lot of land out here, don't we? <laughs> I'm the same, coming from back Midwest. We do. And the, yeah, when, when you start to look, it's, it's my mind. I, I want to know, and, we, and you've heard a little bit, but let, let's go back to, to Laura Knight. What's a typical day? Oh, well, um, you know, first thing in the morning, um, I usually get up and either um, do yoga or stretching um, or run on the treadmill. I got to get my, that's part of my uh, mental health and wellness program. I got to get my little bit of exercise in before I go to the office and face the day. Um, And then uh, we have a morning briefing, first thing, where we go over all of the deaths that happened in the last 24 hours that were reported to our office. Uh, And then we um, determine based on all of the scene investigation, the photographs, the history on those cases, which ones are going to require an autopsy for the day. Uh, And then we assign those to the pathologists in the office. In addition to myself, the chief medical examiner, there are also uh, three assistant medical examiners and uh, a deputy chief medical examiner who will be starting in our office shortly. Uh, and so we break up the cases, assign them, and we go do autopsies. And typically uh, autopsies take up the first half of the day. And then in the afternoon, uh, we work on paperwork. So we might work on our autopsy reports that need to be signed out. For each autopsy, there's a report. We review all of the testing results that come back, including toxicology testing, um, any other consultations, any medical records we might need to review, um, and then uh, a lot of other things too. My, my days vary a lot. Um, I might be doing uh, you know, a press conference, or I uh, might be going to court to testify in a murder trial, um, or I might have a meeting um, to troubleshoot the organ and tissue donation relationship you know, and, and keep that in good standing. So lots of different things that I have to do um, managing the budget and um, uh, human resources issues with employees and things like that. So a lot, lot of different things I might be doing in the afternoon with meetings. And then usually try to finish up my day at a reasonable hour by five or six and, um, and then get out of the office and go home and spend time with my family. So speaking of family, I have two teenage daughters, and they want to be you. They have seen every episode of NCIS. Ducky is their favorite character, and they they want to be medical examiners. They just think it's fascinating. What would you tell them, the honest side of, uh, would you encourage them to do that? Or um, if so, how do they do that? What should they be doing now as teenage girls to start that field? I absolutely would encourage them to do that. <clears throat> And I think especially for women going to the, into this field, it's a really great time to be going into this field because there are more women choosing forensic pathology than men. Our, our uh, stats of people who are going into forensic pathology fellowships are more heavily weighted to women. And the last stat I saw was about 60-40, 60% women. Um, so it's an exciting time to be a woman in this field. I mean, I feel like when I went into it, we were still trailblazing a little bit, um, you know, and... And I'm, you know, not going to get into it now, but had some issues, you know, uh, sort of coming up in in a in a field that's been dominated by men in the past, and and deals with a lot of men in law enforcement and other 
other agencies as well. But I think it's a great time uh, to go into this field. We have a nationwide shortage of forensic pathologists. We have great job security um, because we're needed um, and our salaries are higher than they have ever been in the past. Um, as a pathology subspecialist um, in the past, you could actually go into forensic pathology and make less than if you had not subspecialized <laughs> um, because uh, salaries were low in the past. And they've really come up over the last 20 years as what we do has been more highly valued and as there has been a shortage of forensic pathologists. And so I think it's a great time. And what I would advise people who are interested in becoming a medical examiner to do is to try to get your foot in at a coroner or medical examiner's office, do an internship, go meet the medical examiner, ask them to sit and talk with you about their path and, and local resources wherever they may be, you know, in, in, the, in the area that might be listening to this podcast. But we certainly have medical students and undergraduate students um, that we, we mentor and meet with regularly at the medical examiner's office um, to get people excited about our field. So let's get him going, right, Dr. Nye? Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much awesome. for joining us. It's so interesting to, to talk with you. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. And next up, you're about to hear how Dr. Knight's dedication and work is saving more lives in Northern Nevada. Stay tuned to Washer Life. Hey, Washoe County, looking for a way to get involved in your community and make a difference? Consider applying for a Washoe County Border Commission these volunteer positions provide an opportunity to work alongside local leaders and shape the future of our community. From the Planning Commission to Open Space and Parks, Senior Services, and more, there's a board or commission for everyone. Visit washoecounty.gov slash get involved and apply today. Welcome back to Washoe Life. We are so pleased to be joined by Monica Miles, Community Development Manager for Nevada Donor Network. And Monica, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. We're very glad to have you. And let's just start to talk about yourself and the Nevada Donor Network. Well, I this is something I could talk about forever. Um, Nevada Donor Network is an Oregon procurement organization. So our job is to um, coordinate the recovery and allocation of organs, tissues, and corneas for transplant. Um, we also do a lot of public outreach in our community, talk to people about getting registered as donor heroes, work with donor families. Um, really, the job just goes on and on, but it's a huge honor for me. And uh, as you know, we just spoke with Dr. Laura Knight, our regional medical examiner, and she recently received the Governor's Award for her work in promoting organ and tissue donation. And you were a big part of that. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So our group um, was putting together this big dinner event for all these very important people, legislators, and of course the governor. And because I work so closely with our partners in Northern Nevada, they asked me if you had to pick one person to receive an award uh, because of their work in our field, who would it be? And I work with very incredible people, hundreds and hundreds of them. But right away, I said, it has to be Dr. Knight. Um, her work uh, to promote donation, to make it possible, uh, is really quite incredible. And I, I do think that she is one of the state's biggest champions for donation. So, so 
That isn't the usual then, what she does. How does she go above and beyond what other um, medical examiners would do? Oh, yeah. It's not typical. We are incredibly lucky to get to work with her and her entire team, really. It's a huge team effort. Um, But when she became chief medical examiner uh, for Washoe County, she really helped to begin this partnership that makes tissue and ocular donation possible when people die outside of a hospital setting. So many people don't know that there's a very um, spelled out process when death occurs in the hospital so that organ and tissue donation can be possible so that people can have their wishes honored as registered donors or families can have that opportunity. But uh, until Dr. Knight came into that position, when people died outside of the hospital setting where tissue and ocular donation is possible for up to 24 hours, that opportunity was simply lost because there just wasn't the infrastructure to make it possible. And she really was the driving force to put together our partnership uh, with her office and Nevada Donor Network um, to allow more people in our community and really across the state in all the counties that her office serves uh, to allow more people to be heroic donors. Okay, that makes more sense to me now. I get it. Yeah. So... It's called the Donor Network, Nevada Donor Network, keyword there, network. Um, and you really have built a network. In fact, I was just driving down the freeway yesterday and I saw a Reno fire truck go by and there was a sticker, Donate Life sticker on the back and it, it stood out to me. And I thought, you know, that your work with the sheriff's office, with um, first responders, with everybody, you really have built this network. Tell us a little bit about that. That makes my heart happy that you saw that sticker because when I see them, I get just as excited. Um, So this is really the best part of my job. Um, And what we've really tried to do is bring in everyone that could possibly be involved with donation. So typically, as I mentioned, donation is a hospital-centric process. That's kind of the traditional way that donation has happened. Um, But the reality is, like we talked about, donation is possible in a variety of settings. And our first responders throughout our state, throughout our community, EMS providers, law enforcement, hospice providers, funeral homes, the ME's office, anyone who works with people who have passed and their families they have the opportunity to be a part of what we do. And we think it's critical that they are included in what we do. Um, Because unfortunately, these folks deal with a lot of tragedy, a lot of death, a lot of loss, a lot of things that you and I never have to see. Um, But when we can kind of bring them into this mission and show them that something positive can come after tragedy through donation, um, not just for the person who passed, living that legacy, but also for donor families, really getting that peace and comfort. Um, It's had a very profound effect on our first responders. And so in turn, they help us with public outreach and encouraging people to register, telling their own stories within their agencies. Um, You know, everyone has a connection. It's really not that far away if you look. And so that's kind of um, the story behind those stickers on the fire check. Well, and and Monica, the story, I am so glad to have both Dr. Knight and you on, on the same podcast, because for Bethany and I, Washoe Life, our story is to try to introduce people living among us who are changing our community. And that 
at getting to know you over the past eight years is also you. And, I, and I'd like to know, why is organ and tissue donation so important to you? Oh, well, thank you for the compliment, first of all. Um, so I don't have a personal connection to donation. Um, a lot of the people that work within what we do, they have a personal connection. I do not. Um, but I just think that the opportunity to give life, to give healing, to give sight to other people is one of the most generous things that any one of us could do. And so to be able to surround myself every day with people that are trying to make a difference in this way is such a profound way to change lives. Um, it's a huge honor for me. And so I, it's very important for me personally that I do work that feels like it's making a difference. And um, I'm happy to say that I do feel that way every day when I go to work. So that's really what drives me. Um, and I love it. It shows. Thank you. <laughs> now, do you also build a network for living donors? How does that work? That's a great question. So it's something, of course, we support at Nevada Donor Network. Um, because the most needed organ is actually kidneys, um, far and away. So more than 80,000 people in the U.S. right now need a kidney transplant. And that is one of the organs that can be given by a living donor. And that living donor goes on to live a very happy and healthy life. Um, so we absolutely promote that. Um, Donate Life America recently started a living donor registry. So somewhat similar to like um, the uh, bone marrow registry, where kind of you put yourself out there as someone who would be willing to donate. So Donate Life America has just started to get that going. And I believe they just did one of the first successful kidney transplants from that. So um, we are always uh, supportive of those efforts, of course, because, um, you know, we don't want people to have to wait longer than they need to. All right, Monica, where can people go to find more information about all of this? You know, Donate Life, Nevada Donor Network. Yes. So our website is nvdonor.org. And then um, we do a lot of efforts with Washoe County as a whole to register people. And we want you to get credit for anyone who makes the choice to register as a donor because of this podcast or anything else that you put out in the community. So that special registration site is nvdonor.org forward slash Washoe. And um, you can register right there and um, you will be a registered donor. It's built on our national registry platform and that's as easy as it can be. So you no longer have to get the little sticker on your driver's license, or is that still? So we love that. Yeah. I mean, that is such a Good sweet question. little, such yeah. a sweet little red heart on your license, and of course, I love it. So, um, th but there's no problem with registering in multiple places. So we love the DMV. We love our partners there. If you've already made the choice at the DMV, you're all set. However, there's no problem with reaffirming your choice by registering online, because that's a national registry versus the DMV, which is our state registry. So I'm registered every place anyone could possibly be registered. So give us that website again. nvdonor.org forward slash Washoe to get registered. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. This is such an important conversation. Is there anything else that, anywhere that you want to direct people for information? Just our website, nvdonor.org. You can read a lot more about what we do and get your questions answered. Thank you so much for joining us, Monica. Thank you. And until next time. We'll see you on Washer Life. Mm -hmm.